You're listening to the weekly sermon from Antioch East Baptist Church, located in Magnolia, Arkansas. For more information about our faith and local congregation, visit AntiochEast.com. Let's read together, starting down at verse 17. If you would not mind, one more time, let us stand in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Verse 17, indeed you are called a Jew and rest on the law and make your boast in God. And know his will and you approve of things that are excellent being instructed out of the law and are confident that yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, babes having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? (laughs) You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say, do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, as it is written. What Paul is doing, he is systematically convicting every man, woman, boy, and girl that has ever lived and that was living at that time and ever will live of sin. Listen to me. Nobody is going to make it to heaven by good works. Nobody. I do not know how these churches that teach that, I do not know how these people that believe that can believe that and read books like Romans and Colossians and Galatians or for that matter, Genesis. How somebody can escape a church not knowing that they are going to hell by their Good deeds. Did you hear me? By your good deeds, you're going to hell. Because the Bible says that your righteousness is as filthy rags. You are depraved. Your mind is depraved. Your flesh is depraved. Your will is depraved. Your heart is depraved. You are in bondage to sin in every way. The lie that we hear all the time is that man is basically good. That is a lie of the devil. Man is basically, unrepairably of himself, bad. We're sinners. And so you say, boy, Brother Ron, you're really emphasizing that. Well, you ought to see Paul. Oh, we are. We're looking at Paul. We have already preached one whole chapter. We are not even halfway through another chapter, and we still got chapter 3. And he will not relent. He will not back up. It is just guilt, 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 guilt. Why? Because he don't want you falling off the precipice. He wants you to realize that in yourself you cannot be saved. And he wants you to understand there's only one way. Because isn't that it? I've never witnessed anybody that said, well, I'm going to heaven because I'm just special. Nobody's ever said that. 
There's only two things that people have ever said to me when they tell me, yes, I believe I'm going to heaven, is number one, I'm going by the blood of Christ. I've trusted in Jesus. I've repented my sins. I've placed my faith in Christ. I'm dependent totally and wholly upon the cross of Jesus Christ. Or, I think I'm a pretty good person. That's the only two ways I've ever heard. One of those will get you there, and one will not. And Paul is trying to, without question, get you to see which one it is. It's masterful, really. Now, he starts in on the Hebrews. He's talked to the heathen. He's talked to the hypocrites. Now, he's talked to the hypocritical Hebrews, all right? Because there were both here. Verse 17, indeed, you are called a Jew. Indeed, you are called a a Jew. And so it's obvious he starts talking specifically to the Jews. They are called three things. There's Hebrew, or there goes an Israelite, and there's a Jew. Those three names. Now the word Hebrew refers to the language that they spoke. There's only one people that speak Hebrew, and that's the Israelites. And so they're Hebrews. And so sometimes they got to be known by the language that they spoke. And so Hebrew usually always refers to a Jew or else a cool, hip, and with it coffee shop. Hebrews. (laughs) Anyway, all right. Or they call them Israelites. Israelites. Now, you can study the Word of God, and most of y'all know this, but this refers to their their name through Jacob. They come through the line of Jacob, and God changed Jacob's name to Israel, and it usually is in reference to the promises of God, especially the land that God promised them, the Israel of God. And then there's the Jew. He says, you call yourself a Jew. This word comes from the word Judah, the one nation. You remember the nations were divided. Uh, Israel was the northern kingdom, and that was all the other tribes, and then one tribe, Judah. A couple of tribes maybe, but they called them Judah. The southern tribes were called Judah, and the northern tribes were called Israel. And Judah was uh, actually where Israel was, and all, or the Jerusalem was, and all those things. And so they became known as Judah. And so they shortened that to the word Jew. And it means praised. It means praised. That's what the word means. He said, you're a Jew. And I'll tell you what, they gloried in that name. They gloried in the fact that they were from Jacob. They gloried in the fact that they were from Abraham. And you say, Brother Ron, I'll tell you what, what, what's wrong with that? Nothing really. There's nothing wrong. What a great thing, amen? i tell you what, I'm thankful for the fact that, hey, I'm a son of God, chosen of God, aren't you? But I want to tell you something. I don't want to be arrogant about it because I know the only reason that I am saved and those outside that are not is because of the grace of God. Nothing in me. Nothing in me. I have no right to look down my nose at anybody because I am just a sinner, just like everybody else. But I've been saved by His grace. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? The advantage of the Jews. Romans 3.1 says, What advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because of, uh, to them were committed the oracles of God. They did have an advantage. They were taught the word of God. They knew the law of God. They knew the standard of God. And how in the world, I don't know, you could see the standard of God and not realize there is a problem. But they didn't. They didn't. Maybe it's because they, they gloried in the look of it and not the practice of it. 
in the fact of it instead of the doing of it. Our text tells us it is not the lofty passion that saves, but the loving practice that saves. He just relentlessly shows men's guilt and says that there's judgment to come, judgment to come, and the judgment of God is according to works. And if you were to stand before God in judgment and He judged you according to your works, would you be saved or lost? Well, if you're honest, you know it ain't good. If judgment is based on deeds, how will the Jew fare? Not any better than you and me. But number one, we see the heritage of the Hebrews. The heritage of the Hebrews, verses 17 through 20. Number one, they were called by God. Look at this, verse 17, it says, Indeed, you are called a Jew, and you rest in the law and make your boast in God. By the way, none of these statements he says about the Jew is a bad thing. These were all true. They could rest in the law. And it wouldn't have been wonderful for you to be a Jew, seeing all the wonderful miracles that God did, bringing you out of Egypt and into a land flowing with milk and honey, and, they, and then to be there on the mountain and watch the lightning and thundering and hear the, the voices and stuff and knowing that Moses was up there wondering if he'd make it. And one day he comes back down and he's glowing. You knew he'd been with God and he has two tablets in his hand and you say, what's that? And Moses tells you, God wrote these with his finger for you. Wouldn't that have been awesome? They were called by God. You rest in the law, God's law, God's standard. God's writing in his own finger came to us. We must be special. That's the message they got from that. He said, you make your boast in God. See that next phrase? Israel was God's chosen nation, and through Israel came his chosen people. Their boasting was not with gratitude and humility, but it became an issue of pride and arrogance. My friend, you hear me today. If you have come here today and God has come in and he's chosen you, he has saved you, he has redeemed you, you are born again. Don't pat yourself in there. I hear this all the time. I hear people say, thank God I was smart enough one day. No, my friend, you were, you were dumb. God came to you. You didn't come to him. How arrogant. You are a chosen of God, the elect of God. I don't understand. Some people understand that doctrine and they talk about it all the time are some of the most arrogant, rude people I've ever met in my life. How in the world can you be arrogant knowing that it is all of grace that saved you? You ought to be the most humble, precious, meek person in the world if you knew that God saved a sinner like me. Well, the Jews did the same thing. They were arrogant and proud. They made their boast in God, which they could have. Hey, God has chosen us. Thank you, God. Thank you. Nations, look, God has chosen us to do something for you because that's why he did it, because we're fixed to see that. They were communicated the law, being instructed out of the law. They were instructed in the law. This is a good thing. (laughs) It's a good thing that you came today to hear the preaching of God's word. It's a good thing, now listen, that you came to Sunday school. Say amen. Amen. Let me sing a little song you sing. Everybody ought to go to Sunday school, Sunday school, Sunday school. The men and the women and the little boys too. Everybody ought to go to Sunday school. And the girls, I don't know, I may have missed that up there. But you ought to go to Sunday school. In In Sunday school, you get instructed in the Word. 
in a Sunday morning, you get to instruct the Word. You come back Sunday night, and we sing a little bit again, praise, and then we talk about the Word of God. Wednesday night, we talk about the things of God. It's a good thing to be instructed in the law. And they were, they knew the law. They were to care for the law. They were to protect it. That's just like we as a church. Yes, you have a pastor, you have a leader, and I am the shepherd, and I should be, I should help protect the sheep, but that's everybody in this church's responsibility. That is, that is your responsibility to make sure that right doctrine is taught in the church. And it's everybody's responsibility to do that. And that's what the Jews were. Look what it says there, verse 18. You approve of things that are excellent. That's right, they were. They were approving things. Hey, that's right, that's not right. That's right, that's not right. They did it. As a matter of fact, they did it so good, they came up with a whole different set of rules that God didn't come up with and became very legalistic. They were supposed to protect the writing of the law and the preaching of the law. They were to care for the law. And then they were given the stewardship of the law and were to be the judges of what was right and wrong according to the law. Listen to this. I love this. This is Nehemiah. Chapter 8, verses 4 through 8. Walls of the city were being built. Uh, Jerusalem was being restored. And they had a big revival type meeting. And all of Israel gathered. And they got there in the morning. Ezra stood up to read the Bible. They all stood up. And he read, we assume because he read the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The Bible says they stood on their feet all day long. Ah, no. Brother Tim says, let's stand and sing this song, and some of y'all don't like it. We don't want to stand up. We want to sit down. I do the same thing. <laughs> I do, we all do that. There's just something about it when the national anthem's played. It's just something about it. I think an American ought to want to stand up. There's something about it. And I understand when we're singing a hymn and we're sitting here and everybody gets very comfortable. We've padded the pews now and all that stuff. And I understand you're comfortable and, and you get out of your comfort and you have to stand up. But after you stand up and you sing a while, it's not that bad. And then you sit back down. And then Brother Ron gets up and he wants you to stand up while he reads the scripture. You don't mind that so much because it's the Holy Word of God. But there's just something. Sometimes you just say, i got to stand up. Sometimes I don't like it when people stand up. When you go to a concert and they sing a fast song, everybody starts clapping, they stand up, and here I am, a little guy sitting up. I could barely see over their heads when they're sitting down. <laughs> but there's just some times where you feel like you ought to be standing on your feet. Ezra the scribe stood, this is Nehemiah 8 verse 4, he stood upon a pulpit of wood which they had made for the purpose. Oh, I like this. You know a preacher likes this. And beside him stood a bunch of Jews whose names are hard to pronounce. Verse 5, and a bunch of priests and scribes. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people. He opened the book in the sight of all the people, and he was above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. He didn't tell them to stand up. They just did. They just felt like they ought to stand up by the word of God. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, amen, amen. And I tell you, whenever you repeat something in Hebrew, it didn't mean they said amen. They went, amen. That's what it means. Like Brother Ron does. 
And when lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground, also all the scribes and priests, and he names them all, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people, did you hear that? The scribes and priests caused the people to understand the law. They didn't just read it. They had Sunday school all day long. They had workshops and they had seminars and they were teaching. They probably had little booths. If you'll go over here, Benakiah or whoever it is over there, he'll teach you Deuteronomy. And over here is going to be a seminar on Leviticus. And over here you get to study Genesis. And they caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. That's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to educate you on what God means in his word. That's what I'm called to do, to give the distinction of it. What's a Jew? It says Jew. What's a Jew? And so I tell you what a Jew means. What does he mean by these things? The Jews were supposed to do that. It was their job to take care of the doctrines of the Old Testament. Let's go on. They were to convey the law. They were to convey the law. What does that mean? That means they were to tell people about it. We sit here, you come in, I teach the word of God, we discuss the word of God, we learn the word of God, and then we go out and we tell people about it and try to convince them of the truth of God's word and the gospel. And they were. Here is the covenant that God made with Abraham. He said, Abraham, I will bless you and bless those that bless you, curse those that curse you, and you will be a blessing to all nations. The Israelites were just to be the ones to go and send the message. But they got introverted, and they got proud and arrogant, and they called everybody else but them Gentile dogs. When they practiced the same sins as everybody else. Verses 17 and 18 are the blessings the Jews received. Look at that. Well, we read it. You call yourself a Jew, you, you convey the law, all those things I just mentioned. Verses 17 and 18 are the blessings you received, but verses 19 through 20 are the blessings they were supposed to be. They were the ones God chose to convey his message. The problem is they arrogantly took their place as teachers and instructors of the law and it became a point of pride instead of a point of thankfulness. They were called by God. They were communicated the law of God. They were given the care of the law of God. They were to convey the law, but there's one problem. They did not Keep the law. And you can talk about it all day long. You can discuss it all day long. You can know it from back to front. You can believe it. You can say you buy into it. But if you don't do it, you are clouds without rain. You're an ocean without waves. You're a tree without leaves. You're a tree without fruit. You are useless. And it doesn't matter if you are the one God gave the law to 
or the one that the law was supposed to come to you from them, if you are not practicing the things that God said to practice, you are going to be judged by your deeds, not by your knowledge. God made a covenant with the people. We find it in Exodus 24. Let me read it to you. Exodus 24 verses 3 through 9 is what I'm going to read. Now there's a lot more, but I'm just going to read these verses. Exodus 24 verse 3. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the judgments. And all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words which the Lord has said, we will do. And I want to tell you, it was a revival. I mean, it's one of those where everybody was feeling good. The spirit was moving. Sister so-and-so had got up. She sang a song, and it was just, it was awesome. Awesome words and a beautiful voice. And brother so-and-so got up, and he testified about how God had changed him. I mean, it was awesome. It was a great service. And God had showed them great many and mighty miracles. And here they were. Moses brought them the law, and he reads it to them. And the people are on a spiritual high. And they said, all the words which the Lord has said we will do. And Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And he rose early in the morning and he built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent young men of the children of Israel who offered burnt offering and sacrifice and peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half the blood and put it in a basin and half the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. He took the book of the covenant and he read it in their hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient. And Moses took the blood and sprinkled it on the people and said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words here's my law God said and the people said we will keep it we will obey it let me ask you something have you read past those chapters let me tell you what they didn't do they didn't keep it they didn't do it they didn't obey it And before we look down our pharisaical nose at them, we haven't either. And that is the main point of chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3 of Romans. And we ain't even finished yet. We're just about halfway through. You say, Brother Ron, I'm getting tired of this. Good. That's the point. That's the point. Give me some good news, Brother On. Well, like I said, Paul wrote this straight through without any hope. I can't do that because I, I, I only got an hour to preach. I got nursery workers I'm worried about. That's what it is. You know, that's the only reason I worry about time is my nursery worker. I want to talk to you lastly about the hip, hypocrisy of the Hebrews. And then we'll be finished. Paul asks five rhetorical questions in verses 21 through 24. The first one is general. He said, you who teach another, do you not teach yourself? He said, you teach these laws. Apparently you haven't been talking to yourself. You ought to look in the mirror every once in a while. When you tell people don't lie, you're a liar. 
You're a thief. You're, a, you're, you're an adulterer. Then the next three are criminal. That first one is kind of general. Don't you, you're, you're the teacher, right? Okay, do you teach yourself? Okay, if you do, listen to this. You who preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You say, Brother Ron, was there somebody still there? Well, of course they were. They're all sinners. We all do. You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? Now, you might be sitting there in your seat and saying, ha, ha, I've never done that. I've never slept with anybody. That's not my wife or my husband. Yeah, but you've thought about it. And God said if you've thought it in your heart, you're guilty of it. And that's something. If you've thought it, you've done it. The problem isn't just the action of our hands. The problem is that we want to break God's law. We want to love the things that God hates. And we, by nature, hate the things that God loves until God comes and changes our hearts. You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? According to Jewish historian Josephus, some Jews robbed the temple in devious ways to fill their own pockets. He, he reports that on one occasion, a group of Jewish men enticed a wealthy Roman woman into giving a large sum of money to the temple. But instead of putting the money into the treasury, they divided among themselves and took it. But the last question is spiritual. That last one is spiritual. He says, you who make your boast in the law, do you dishonor God? through the breaking of the law. He said, you're not just committing some act. You are an affront to the character of Almighty God. He's not a human judge. He's not a human nation. He is a spiritual being. He is God. And the point isn't the physical breaking of the law. The point is the spiritual hatred of God. You hate God. Now you say, oh, Brother Ron, I don't hate God. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. I remember when I was a kid. My mom would tell me to do something and I wouldn't do it. If she was particularly lazy that day, she wouldn't beat the fire out of me. <laughs> but she wasn't going to let me get away with it. She'd say, you hate me. You don't love your mother. You don't love your daddy. Well, I do too. Well, if you love this, you do what we say. Isn't that what they do? You have parents tell you that? That's a good thing because it's true. We don't want lip service. Hey, wives, you want your husband to just tell you he loves you but never prove it by his actions? Husbands, you want your wives to love you and to tell you all the time, be great to tell you, but they never, never show it in any way by any actions. No, we don't want lip service. And what proves you love someone? Jesus said, what man obeyed his father? There was a son. He said, go out and till the field. And he said, yes, father, I'll do it. But then he didn't do it. But the other son, he said, go out and tend the fields. He said, I don't think I want to do that. I'm not going to do it. But then later he went and did it. He said, which one of those sons were obedient to their father? He said the last one. And then Jesus taught the lesson. He said, it's not those that say it. It's those that do it. You make your boast. You make your boast in the physical law. You make your boast in these physical commands. But you dishonor the spiritual God. 
You can't just preach it. You have to practice it. You can't just love it. You have to live it. You can't just exalt it. You have to exercise it. Verse 24 quotes Samuel and Isaiah and Ezekiel there. Israel's hypocrisies have caused God's name to be blasphemed among the nations. Blasphemed among the nations. The message is this. If you think you're getting to heaven on your good works, you're not. You're not. You have to repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ because you know that you cannot do right. But now there are some people, some Christians say, okay, well then I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll say the prayer. I'm in. But it doesn't change them. It doesn't do anything for them. It doesn't cause them to love righteousness and to hate wickedness. I mean, some of you here today, now listen, some of you here are here because mom and daddy made you come. That's the only reason you're here. Or your wife nagged you till you came. Or your husband drug you to church. But you really don't want to go to church. You don't really want all this spiritual stuff. You want enough to make people think that you're okay and good and all that stuff. But actually, deep down in your heart, the things you love are the things of this world. My friend, that might be because you've never truly been changed by the power of God. Salvation is when you come to realize, I am a sinner and I hate it. Oh God, wash me and cleanse me and save me. And you turn from the world and sin, you turn to God. And now, now you hate sin and you love righteousness. But there's a problem. Sometimes, although you love righteousness, you practice sin. That's because you have a flesh. We'll deal with that later. But today, this is the question. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? That's the question. These Jews thought they were going to get to heaven by their own goodness. They were not. And you are not either. You get to heaven on His goodness. His imputed righteousness. Come to Jesus today. Come to Jesus today.